Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe issued a provincial white paper on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, and he declared the province will challenge Ottawa's, quote, continued interference in the province's jurisdiction over natural resources under the guise of federal environmental regulation. Saskatchewan is also, quote, drawing the line by taking a number of steps, including the introduction of provincial legislation to clarify and protect Saskatchewan's constitutional rights. Premier Moe has also stated he will work with Alberta Premier Daniel Smith, and I'm quoting again, to advance the priorities of Western Canada. Now, the uh, Premier of Alberta, the new Premier, Ms. Smith, Premier Smith, was on this program last Sunday, and she talked about uh, looking forward to working with Premier Moe. Premier Moe, thank you very much uh, for joining us. You certainly, uh, I think, have gotten the attention of Ottawa and the whole country with the white paper on Tuesday. You've sent a very direct message to Mr. Trudeau and the government. I just quoted a couple of lines, but in your words, what are you telling the federal government? Well, I think this is actually not about the federal government. Uh, this white paper really lays the foundation for unlocking Saskatchewan's potential to grow, and uh, not only uh, economically, but to grow in our population, and, and ultimately uh, have growing and vibrant communities across across the province. And so, uh, this is less about the federal government and more about what we know uh, we can achieve in this province, and ensuring that we, as a provincial government, are. Uh, enabling or unlocking that potential uh, for Saskatchewan people to achieve. So if I look at um, a new story here, and it quotes you, I believe, um, following nine federal climate change policies and programs will cost this province, Saskatchewan, an average of $8.8 billion each year, more than half its current $17.6 billion provincial budget. The total by 2035 would be $111 billion. I, obviously, you can't absorb that. So uh, explain to us, please, how how are you going to move forward now to protect and constitutionally uh, take advantage, or I don't want to use take advantage, but use the constitutional levers that you have since 1930 as a province to protect both uh, energy and agriculture. Well, that's correct. First, on the amount, to put it in perspective, that's about the amount we uh, invest each and every year into health care and into the, the operations of our K-12 education system. And so it's a, it's a tremendous amount that would be missing from uh, our economy uh, here here in Saskatchewan. And so it just simply uh, isn't on. Um, so what we are going to do as a province is we're going to look at uh, a number of different initiatives that uh, really will allow us to take the reins on, on some of the things that the federal government does now. Honestly, Quebec has been doing this for a number of years. Uh, they, Quebec enjoys a, a broader um, a broader sense of, of uh, input on uh, the immigration uh, selection that they do and we would be asking that we already have asked for that uh, here in Saskatchewan we're looking at uh, corporate tax collection provincially as opposed to federally and yes we are looking at legislation and not outside the constitution but to really uh, clarify and to reassert uh, the provincial jurisdiction that the constitution does give to in this case the province of Saskatchewan um, in particular when it when it comes to development of our of our natural resources and so we'll have more to say on that when we get into the legislature and, and actually introduce this legislation um, but we we definitely are, are heading that direction so if you were to uh, engage all of the levers that the environment minister 
uh, Minister Gilbo federally has uh, demanded and uh, which the Prime Minister has uh, supported, the damage to the Saskatchewan economy and way of life would be really significant by certainly, well, uh, 2035, that's the number, that's when you said it would cost the province $111 billion. Yeah, th- that's correct. And, and you're going to hear, you know, some folks, some academics will say, well, that's not the right number because there's some dollars that are returned. Well, first and foremost, it's the only economic forecast that has been done on on all of these policies. And, and I would put forward that we may be undershooting uh, a little bit. First, um, what we have seen uh, at the federal level is moving goalposts on, let's use the carbon tax policies in, as an example. There was a commitment made that it would be $50, never go above $50 until it went to $170. And so we see the goalposts moving in, in, in various policies. That is ultimately going to increase the cost. We, um, we, uh, in, in, um, in this province are going to grow. Uh, we are attracting investment. Some of it is being restricted to some degree, um, but we are continuing uh, to attract investment in this province. And then there's also indirect costs. Uh, Bill C-69 we didn't include because it's been deemed unconstitutional by the latest uh, uh, court ruling in Alberta at the Court of Appeal of their um, but when we are unable to provide a pipeline access for some of the cleanest uh, oil uh, on earth being produced in this province of Saskatchewan, uh, that oil goes on rails. It constricts grain. It constricts potash fertilizer. It constricts uh, constricts uh, timber products from going on those rails. All, again, the cleanest products that you can find on earth. And uh, so the indirect cost of, of that, we don't know what that is. Uh, it's extremely large. And uh, so it may be well larger than $111 billion out to 2035. And, and um, nobody is arguing that there isn't a cost. And I would say it's most certainly we agree that it's significant. Premier, what do you make of the uh, Deputy Prime Minister and the Finance Minister's uh, Christian Freeland, speaking to a Washington think tank and saying Canada will fast track, because this would involve your province, I'm sure, Canada will fast track energy and mining projects our allies need to heat their homes and manufacture electric vehicles. What does this federal government talking about fast tracking energy and mining projects mean to you, Premier? The regulatory process is unendingly long. The only ally we have that we can effectively export oil and gas to is the United States, and that's because our pipeline infrastructure to tide water is woefully feeble. Has the Prime Minister or his Environment Minister or his Energy Minister or perhaps the Deputy Prime Minister called you to express interest in fast-tracking energy and mining projects? And no, I haven't. I haven't received that call. call. And, and and great respect to uh, to the Deputy Prime Minister Christopher Freeland uh, for the, the work that she does. But uh, those words don't match with what the Environment Minister is doing, what the Natural Resource Minister is doing, or what even the Prime Minister is doing. And and here's an example, and and not even relevant to to Saskatchewan directly. Um, we had uh, Olaf Schultz, the German Chancellor, over here not not long ago. He was looking to secure a deal on LNG. We provided a uh, an MOU, I think, where we're going to provide hydrogen um, with a energy source that isn't built yet out of a, a plant that isn't built yet and science that is, is still uh, evolving but coming along uh, quickly. And hydrogen, uh, it just, and I, I think we were going to deliver that potentially in five years if that's possible. Um, the Chancellor then went to the United Emir- Emirates uh, after he visited Canada and he secured an LNG deal with the United Arab Emirates. And so uh, we missed uh, uh, an opportunity there to help out Germany to provide them uh, with uh, some sustainable Canadian produced uh, natural gas. And unfortunately, we weren't able to 
actually put the actions um, behind the words that our Deputy Prime Minister has said. It took you some time, Premier. I thought you were very patient over the years. It took you some time to get to where you are now. But that, uh, what I just read from the white paper, is very specific and very direct. You're concerned about the two key industries in your province being harmed by the dictates of Ottawa. We we are um, there. There's you know we we highlighted nine challenging policies that the federal government has, and and I you know I think we're losing sight of uh, and 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 we're changing you know our our approach here in Saskatchewan as well, and to be less concerned really with the federal government. And as I said, this isn't about the federal government. This is about us in this province taking a, a leadership role as a government, as a people, to achieve uh, and attract the investment uh, that we have this past year, or the past decade, um, and that we know we can uh, into the future. In the energy industry, yes, um, we we have a, a great record, uh, and, and we're producing some of the most sustainable energy that we're very proud of, and we would hope that Canadians are very proud of what we're doing here in innovation and investment. The same for the mining industry um, and the agriculture industry and the forestry industry alongside of being sustainable, uh, working very hard on engaging uh, Indigenous people and Indigenous communities in the uh, not only the, the workforce, but uh, engaging them at a ownership level of the actual plants and the, the forestry communities and the, and, and, and the servicing communities of the mining industry. And so we, we have a you know a very sustainable industry. All sustain all of our industries here in Saskatchewan are very sustainable and continuing to become more sustainable and more ethical uh, in what they're doing. And they're, we're proud of them. Uh, we would hope that Canadians are are also equally proud of the of how we are producing our food, fuel, and fertilizer here in Saskatchewan, and and really get behind uh, as Canadians uh, providing this to to each other um, and providing it to North Americans as well to ensure that we have energy and food security across our, our continent of North America. Premier, when I spoke with um, Daniel Smith, the Premier of Alberta, spoke with her last Sunday, a couple of days before she was sworn into office, but she spoke about looking forward to working with you, with uh, with the province of Saskatchewan, and you're quoted as saying that you're looking forward to working with Alberta Premier Daniel Smith, quote, to advance the priorities of Western Canada. Can you expand on that a bit for us? Sure. Well, first and, and foremost, we work uh, quite closely with all uh, all provinces and, and the leadership uh, at the premier level or the ministerial level across the nation of Canada and have a good working relationship, I would say, with, with all premiers. And that's one that I value and, and, and appreciate. And when it comes to uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta and, and even Manitoba and, and some of the interior of British Columbia as well, we, we do line up uh, with a number of similarities, uh, in particular in the industries that are creating wealth in our communities. And, you know, Alberta is uh, the... the the, the big oil producer uh, in Canada, and they're investing mightily in in advancing uh, the innovation that's making that uh, that product more sustainable each and every day. Like we are in Saskatchewan, we both have a large agricultural industry, uh, mining industries, and, and and our culture is very very close uh, across the Prairie provinces. And so we'll work with all premiers, but we we always uh, do have a, a certain affinity to and similarities really of. Uh, of uh, you know topics that we we do work closely with uh, province of Alberta, whether it was under Premier Kenny or now under Premier Smith, and I expect that uh, most certainly to continue. And we look forward to working with Premier Smith on advancing um, Western Canadian um, opportunities. Um, and I would say they're 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 actually Canadian opportunities.
And they are Canadian opportunities, but there has been uh, the East-West Divide or the West-East Divide, which I don't need to uh, talk to you about. Um, but I do want to talk to you about the uh, the invoking of the Emergencies Act. The commission is hearing now. They started later than they could have, perhaps later than they should have, but they're underway. And uh, Saskatchewan government lawyer Mike Morris said to the commission, the call on February 14th from uh, the prime minister or the prime minister's office was not so much about consulting, it was about telling, and that was telling you the Emergencies Act was going to be invoked, not asking what you thought about it. Is that, is that a fair assessment of what, of what took place? That is a fair assessment, and uh, if it was a, a consultative call, uh, the likely wouldn't have went forward with the Emergency Act. And I, I won't speak for, uh, I'll allow premiers to speak for themselves from their respective jurisdiction, but uh, it was our view that it most certainly wasn't necessary. I would say that would be the majority view uh, by far on the call. The 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 border crossings at Coots, at Emerson, and at the Windsor Bridge, by the time the Emergency Act actually came into play, they had all been um, dismantled, um, and those folks had all left. Um, so the only the only uh, blockade or, or instance that the Emergency Act was used for was in downtown on uh, Ottawa, uh, the RCMP, the OPP, um, any of the other law enforcement agencies seem to have the tools that they required to uh, dismantle the the border crossings, uh, the border crossing blockades that were there. And so it was our view that they wouldn't need additional tools like freezing bank accounts uh, across Canada, those types of things to dismantle uh, the the blockade in in Ottawa. We felt the, the RCMP already had the tools and they should utilize the tools they had. The first time the Emergencies Act is invoked, and I spoke to a lawyer for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association earlier today, and I made this point to him, the first time the Act is invoked really sets, in some ways, the standard or the bar where future federal government might be uh, uh, feel empowered to invoke the Act again. And given the time and how it was invoked in February of this year, that would be concerning, would it not? be uh, you know very concerning and we, we feel it was an overreach to uh, invoke the emergency act in particular um, when we we felt the law enforcement as we said had dismantled three of these uh, these blockades um, but for some reason uh, required the emergency act or were provided with the emergency act without being asked I guess is a better way to uh, frame it um, yeah it, it is concerning as uh, and it shouldn't be the precedent moving forward uh, the emergency act should be uh, just that and and I don't believe it was necessary in this case and I, I think it should be concerning for all Canadians moving forward. If I recall correctly, you and I, during the pandemic, were talking one day, and it was a news story, that the Prime Minister had considered invoking the Emergency Act during the pandemic. Do I remember that correctly? Yes, he had asked about it uh, earlier as well, at which uh, point in time I, I think it was Again, if not unanimous, uh, the vast majority were uh, under no circumstances. Is there a need for the uh, for the federal government to invoke the Emergency Act? We we did have the Emergency Act uh, provincially in place for a period of time here in Saskatchewan. Uh, it was essentially in place for uh, for one reason, and that was uh, just due to some collective bargaining um, nuances uh, that we had in order to uh, move uh, our, our healthcare staff into vaccination clinics, testing clinics, that sort of thing. We, uh, we we had to have the Emergency Act in place for that, and, and it's very specific uh, to that. And, and so we didn't y- utilize uh, the Emergency Act for anything beyond uh, ensuring that our, our clinics were operational. 
If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.